Bible to two passages, two books. Turn to Romans chapter 4 and Genesis chapter oh, 17. Romans 4 and Genesis 17. We're going to continue to study the Word of God tonight. How many of you love the Lord and His Word in your life? Amen. It's important to allow His Word to be made real. And Ryan, as you head off, could you close those both? There's some down by the stairs too. Need to close up. Uh, Romans chapter 4 and Genesis, really about 17. Uh, here's where I want to begin tonight. And as, as I begin, let's just pause one more time and say, Lord, speak to our hearts and, and uh, get, uh, have your way in our life. Father, speak to us tonight. And Lord, let us get a firm grip on you tonight and a firm grip on the faith of God in our life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Last Sunday, I shared with you a message that I'm going to build upon tonight. Uh, and all of our Sunday, Wednesday uh, services are going to interact with each other to some degree and dovetail into one another. Uh, our series, has, as I said, is uh, strengthening your spiritual grip. And last Sunday, I shared a message with you. And I believe we had a great service last Sunday. I don't know if you were here, but it was a great time. Uh, and uh, I'm just looking forward to many more of those uh, and a greater influence and a greater impact on Sunday and Wednesday. Uh, but uh, I shared with you how to how to get a firm grip on the on the faith of God in your life. And we looked at the life of Abraham, as you know, he's the father of our faith. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, let me see, I'm going to turn my clock right side up or we may never get out of here. Um, I'll just give you a little re rehearsal, not rehearsal, but review of where Sunday morning was. Uh, we talked about, we looked at Romans 4.20 and this passage of Scripture that says, He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. That's a great verse to memorize. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Everyone say strengthened in faith. Giving glory to God. Now, I love the, you know, just a little side note. Uh, it's good to look at different translations, but also different paraphrases. I like the message. It's a paraphrase. Now, a paraphrase is, is exactly that. It takes the, the original language, the original translation and gives it kind of a modern day feel. It, it's good to do that. You, you, it's kind of hard to study from a paraphrase. You really need to, to, you know, stay close to the original language to the best of your ability and study the Greek and those things. But here's the message of Romans 4.20, what the, the, the paraphrase says. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God. I love that. He plunged into the promise. Everyone say plunged into the promise. I love that. That gives you a great visual picture of how we've got to be in order to strengthen the, the, the grip we need on our, on the faith of God in our life. And so we looked at Abraham and I said, let's learn some, let's follow in his footsteps. In fact, uh, verse 12, uh, says we are to walk in the, in the same steps of faith. Romans 4, 12, we, we should walk in the same steps of faith that Abraham, our father did. So we want to follow his footsteps. And I gave you some lessons to learn from the life of Abraham that would help you get a strong spiritual grip on the faith of God in your life. And, and here they are. I just said we've got to learn to stand on the promises. How many of you know it? We've got to just trust His promises. Amen. Uh, and that's, that's what it says. He didn't waver at the promise of God. The second thing I said was we need to learn, um, uh, learn to trust God's ability. You know, uh, uh, 
verse 21 says something about God's ability. There's nothing wrong with his ability. And so we just got to trust God. Everyone say he is able. He really is able. You don't have to question his ability to, to take care of you and to lead you rightly. And then I said, learn to take care in what you consider. Uh, and so that comes from verse 18 and 19 of chapter 4, where it says, Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. That didn't come into play. In other words, he, he didn't look at life through, through the, the reality of this tangible, physical, finite world. He looked at life through the, through the eye of faith and through the Word of God, and so we can too as well. And then uh, he learned to give God the glory. It says giving, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And so just some simple things that I gave you last Sunday, and I would encourage you, if you, if you could, get online, go to iTunes, go to our website, and just, if you weren't there, just uh, you can uh, listen and get that message. But I want to build on that thought today, and I want to uh, talk to you about, as you see here on the screen, another lesson for us to get a grip on in order to really get a grip on the faith of God in our life, and that's the power of the spoken word. Everyone say, the power of the spoken word. If you're in Romans chapter 4, I want to show you verse 17. I'm going to, before we put it up on the screen, I'm going to read it from the New King James, and then I'll show it to you uh, in the message again, because it kind of, it really uh, fills in maybe some blanks. Because when I read this, it's, I'm not going to be able to give you the total context, but there's a key element here I want you to see. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Now that's, that's what we'll look at in a moment in Genesis where God told Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives, now this is speaking of God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Everyone everyone get that. He calls those things that do not exist as though they did. That's what God does. Everyone say, that's what God does. Now, here's the message. It's kind of lengthy, but we'll read it here. Uh, if we can put it up on the screen. It's, uh, this is what the message... Whoa, there it went somewhere. We're having trouble with our PowerPoint. I'll read it to you and I'll let him work on it. It says, we call Abraham father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many nations. And he goes on to say, uh, I set you up as a father of, uh, set you up as a father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life. With a word, make something out of nothing. Everyone say, with a word, make something out of nothing. That's the power of the spoken word of God. How creative is that? And so I want to talk to you about that. And that's a lesson you and I must really get a grip on. And as we'll look and see tonight... Abraham learned this lesson, and as we get, there'll be a little 
twist at the end, he learned the lesson uh, in, in a negative sense. And I'll explain that later, but uh, we see that God is speaking about Abraham and he's speaking about God and God's capacity that Abraham trusted God and God spoke this over him. I have made you a father of many nations. Now, when God spoke that to him, what was the condition of Sarah's womb? She was barren and she had been barren all their uh, married life and when this word was spoken he was 99 years old he wasn't no spring chicken himself uh you know and so the word came to him and it says as we read in verse 19 he just didn't look at those things uh but he didn't and he didn't waver at the promise of god and he knew that god had the capacity there it is with a word make something out of nothing I like that. How many of you appreciate that about God? With a word, he can make something out of nothing. Now, turn over to Genesis, and I want to show you this. Genesis 17, uh, the first five verses. And and uh, what I'm going to do is build a little foundation, and then, and then I'm going to give you some thoughts from that I see from the life of Abraham that will help you embrace God's spoken word over your life in a moment. So that's where we're headed. I'm going to help you embrace God's spoken word and his directive word over your life uh, and really embrace that and let him in your life make something from nothing through the power of his word in your life. So chapter 17, verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make a covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Look at verse five. This is the key verse I want you to see. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations. Now, this is the passage that the writer of Hebrews was quoting concerning God's capacity. And look, and he quotes this verse back in Hebrews that I just, pardon me, I said Hebrews in Romans chapter four that I just read to you, Romans four seventeen, uh, when it says, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, at the, at the moment of, that's probably me. Is that me? No, it's not me. <laughs> Mine's on because my daughter is at the doctor. Uh, so I, I was going, okay, we're fixing to pass the offer and again go home. <laughs> so Romans 4, 17 is the quote, is a partial quote of this, this experience Abraham had with God. And this is what Abraham said, God said about Abraham. He says, I have made you. Everyone say, I have made you. I have made you a father to many nations. He said that, and Abraham had not had a child. Sarah's womb was barren, but he, he declared something over it. And this is a phrase I want you and me to embrace. It was a present tense decree of future things. Ponder that, see all that phrase. A present tense decree of future things. He said, I, he, he didn't say, I will make you. Now, he said that earlier, but when he made, when it's like God stepping it up a notch. Now, let me just tell you, 
Abraham, when I created you, I have made you. This is who you are. This is your identity. You are a father to many nations. And it had not even come close to being realized. And he was 99 years old. That's a present tense decree of future things. And I, and I want you to begin to ponder that because, hey, I think that's something that you and I can begin to learn to do a little bit as we embrace God's spoken word, his declared word over our lives as well. And so, uh, that, in fact, that's God's methodology. That's how God works and creates things is through the power of his spoken word. It's a present tense decree of future things. David did this in Psalm 3. I love Psalm 3. Uh, it, I've preached from it a hundred different ways, but you know, it's the p- passage where he said, how they are increased that trouble me and many are they that rise up against me and many are they that say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me and my glory in the lifter up of my head. And I can't remember the next few, ver- but the last verse or two, it says, uh, uh, I cried unto, oh, I just better read it because he, he used this principle uh, of, of a present tense decree about future things. Yeah, here it is. Verse seven, arise, O Lord, save me. O my God. What, what was going on? His enemies, how they're increased at trouble. And many are they that rise up against him. And, and he says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. The next, ver- the next words out of his mouth, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone, and you have broken the teeth of the ungodly. And it hadn't happened yet, but it was a present tense decree of future things. He was talking about an event like it had already happened, when in fact it had not happened yet. He was speaking the words of faith. As God spoke about Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, at that moment that he spoke that, that had not happened. But God spoke it and the creative hand of God began to go to work. And that's God's methodology of creation and productivity. He speaks and things happen. Genesis chapter, uh, uh, yeah, he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now... I don't want any of us to go off in Lula land with this principle. Because how many of you know you can't just blab it and grab it? But there is a key principle about the power of the spoken, declared, known will and word of God over your life that you and I need to embrace. It's important for us in order to get a real grip on our faith and get a real grip on God to, to be, be able to operate and accept and, and, and apply this principle in our life as well as we will in just a few moments. And so uh, God speaks and things happen. In fact, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, and I, I love this, in the beginning, what happened? God created, the earth was without form and void. But what did God do? It says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. I thought about this. This is my little epiphany. Something We were talking to some earlier about having an epiphany. My little epiphany uh, this afternoon was one of God's first lessons in Scripture was that He creates it all by the power of His spoken word. The first lesson God wanted us to learn when he had breathed upon men to write the the Holy Scriptures was the first lesson was, 
I, I created everything by the, by the word, the word of my mouth. The power of the spoken word. I, I got to thinking about that. That's pretty important. If that's the first thing he wanted us to know, we ought to know that. We ought to walk in that. And that's God's capacity, God's, God's design and way. It's the, it's the capacity to, to speak in present tense about future things. Now, let's look at God's decree over Abraham. There's an interesting thing that he does here. God's decree over Abraham in this first five verses of chapter 17, what does he do? He says, he declares to Abram, whose name is Abram at the time, uh, he said, hey, I'm Almighty God. I'm Jehovah Shaddai. I'm El Shaddai. I'm Mighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Great promises if we walk in the covenant of God for our life. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. And look at verse 5. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Here Here's what he does. God changes his identity. He said, I'm going to change your name. Now, for us today, understanding who we are in Christ and our real identity and what he has designed for us and how he looks upon us and how he views us. How many of you knew most of us don't have near a good of opinion of ourselves that God does? Amen. And Ab- and God comes to Abram and changes his identity. Now, Abram means exalted father. It's not a bad name. He said, now, I know your name is exalted father, but I'm going to change your name not a- from Abram to Abraham, which means a father of a multitude. I'm going to begin to call you in present tense, what you will one day be. And when I talk to you, Abram, no more are you Abram. You're, you're father of a multitude. The man whose wife is barren. When I communicate with you, I'm going to communicate through the spoken word over your life as a declaration of who you are and what I've created you to do. You're the father of a multitude. It's that present tense decree of future things. Now, I've seen this working in some parents. I, I, you know, I have to say, I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I've got some people I've looked at since I, you know, no one taught me how to be a parent. I did it by kind of accident and some things were right, some things were wrong and God was merciful. But, you know, uh, I love, you know, I, I watched Laura and Josh and I'm, I'm so proud of my family and my kids and my son-in-law and, you know, they named him Josiah, which is a king and boy, they speak over him, you know, and, and I wasn't that good at that, but you know, there's something to that. Not just one of these days, you're going to be a great and mighty man of God. You are a mighty man. This is who you are. And it's an embracing of the identity that we have in Christ that God has for us uh, as we embrace him. This is what Jesus did with Peter. You remember the story of Peter? 
Peter, uh, you know, Peter got a, he got a quiz question right in Matthew 16. You remember the quiz question? Uh, hey guys, who, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're this, some say you're that. Well, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter piped up. He didn't pick a peck of pickled peppers. He just piped up. Uh, Peter piped up and said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus was amazed and he said, Woo, man, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Man, you got the question right. Uh, and, uh, you know, upon this revelation that you've shared, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But in the middle of all that, you know what he did? He said, no longer are you Simon. You're going to be Peter. I'm going to call you. I'm changing your name to Peter. Now, interesting. Uh, can I give you a side note and tell you a little story about this little story I'm telling you. Years ago, I read a book. I think it's in, I think it's in Frank DiMaggio's book on leadership, which is a, a, a long time ago book, but still very relevant. And he teaches this message of, of uh, how Peter's name was changed. And uh, he goes into depth about, uh, Frank DiMaggio does uh, about uh, uh, Simon. The root meaning of it is, is like a reed tossed in the wind. It's, it's unstable and and so Jesus shows up and says, Peter, uh, your identity of instability, you're no longer a reed, you're a rock. Peter, a rock. And theologians who are smarter than I, Frank DiMaggio being one, says the Greek reading could be something like this. I'm going to begin to call you what you will one day be. He gave him a new identity. Now, here's another side note. A couple of years ago, in fact, Monday, I'm supposed to be at a missions conference, preaching at a missions conference. If Laura doesn't hurry up, I'm going to miss my, my chance, but that's okay. She's more important than uh, they can find somebody else to preach. But a couple of years ago, I was at this missions conference and I had the, and Frank DiMaggio was one of the, he's like one of my heroes. And he was sitting next to me and I'm just like going, man, I have arrived. And he had this stack of books. And I said, I may not get another chance to tell you this, but I've really appreciated your, your writings over the years. And uh, he said, you have? I said, I have. He said, here, you have all these. I went, <laughs> he was, you know, he had just did his little, you can buy my book thing. And I said, I said, the, the Peter uh, Reed Rock thing, Rocked my world. And he said, thanks. But that's where that came from. But hey, what was God doing? He was speaking over him the destiny of God for his life. And so that's the decree God made over Abram. Abram, he said, your name is now Abraham. And, and let me just say this, and this is what you and I need to embrace. There's a great creative power in the declared revelation of God over our life. Let's read that, say it together. There is great creative power in the declared revelation of God, and then make it personal, in and over our lives. And over those who we interact with. Amen. How many of you know somebody who, uh, who maybe been under the gun of some, some, uh, let me say doofus influence in someone's life telling them you'll never be worth a dime. You'll never be worth a dime. You'll never be worth, you know, some people tend to believe those things after a while. 
There's power in the spoken word of God. And, and when you get a hold of the will of God and God's declared word over your life, there's great creative power uh, behind the declared revelation of God in your life. I love what Job 22 verse 28 says. This is one of my quote, most quoted verses. It says, and you shall decree a thing or declare a thing and it shall be established. Everyone say, and I shall declare a thing. And it shall be established. It's not I shall think a thing. It's not I shall ponder a thing. It's not I shall, you know, you know, wonder about a thing. I shall declare a thing. Everyone say decree. Everyone say declare. I'm telling you, there's something in the spirit realm when you get into, a, in, into the revelation of God operating in your life, when you declare it, it just creates things. And... I remember a little testimony years ago in, in Church on the Rock, Quitman, when I was pastoring there. Uh, I got in this mode one Sunday morning, and the faith began to rise up in my life. And in my in the moment, it was like a gift of faith dropped in me for a moment. And I, I and without thinking, I said something because I was in the spirit. And after I said it, I went, "Oh my gosh, what have I done?" But I said, I said. Uh, uh, God has spoken to me that the barren womb is going to live. I, who in here uh, is that can't have a child? I just, boy, there's faith in my heart. And nobody raised their hand. And finally somebody said, V Malone, she's in the nursery. I said, go get her. Run, go get her. She came running in there. And by the time she got in the altar, she's bawling. And I said, you're going to have a baby. And and in fact, I said, ladies, give her a shower. It's going to happen. And that little girl just turns 18 this week. It was 18 years ago. Now, when that happened, man, after I said it, I went, boy, you have it. You have stepped out on in the deep water right there. But you know what it was? It was, it was the word of faith that dropped in my mouth and in my heart. And I, I spoke it and the creativity and the, of God just began to explode through that family. Amen. Wow. I thought about that the other day on Facebook. I saw her t- telling that, uh, her, her firstborn daughter. In fact, she, I think they have a couple now, but, uh, it's going to turn 18. So that's pretty exciting. But, uh, hey, this, uh, there is a great creative power in the declared revelation of God. And in fact, that, you know, Jesus taught us about this. Look in, look in Mark chapter 11. Let me show you this just for a moment. This is a very well known passage of scripture. And, and some people take these things out of bounds. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can, how many of you know, you can take whatever you want out of bounds, but you're still out of bounds. It doesn't matter what you do out of bounds. You're just out of bounds. You can quote spit, froth, and foam. It doesn't matter if you're out of bounds. It doesn't matter. It's not going to work. But uh, Mark chapter 11, look and notice the context, verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. So now he's going to talk to them about faith. And now what are we talking about? About Abraham, the father of our faith and getting a firm grip on our faith and principles that help us do that. Uh, he said, have faith in God for assuredly, I say to you, everyone say assuredly. In other words, I'm pretty confident in this. I think I got this down. This is not something you can, you know, you just have to wonder about. Assuredly, uh, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he thinks, you know, 
those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he saith or says. Did you get that? If you got that, shake your, I got it. I'm with you. Notice the correlation between faith and the reality. Faith requires a declaration. For things to move from, from theory to reality requires some level of declaration, as I said, a present tense degree, decree over future things. And Jesus said, I, I'll just tell you assuredly that if, if you've got faith and you declare it, it will happen. Now, let me just say to you, Again, you can't take this out of bounds. Uh, some people think, you know, if you say it fast and long enough, it'll happen. You know, it's got to be the faith of God. How many of you know I could declare uh, wombs to live all over uh, the world, and unless God had dropped that faith in my heart to do that, I'm just embarrassing me and God and everybody. So we don't be an embarrassment to God, but we just let God drop a word in our heart, and then we began to declare it. I believe a lot of things have gone undone because people never moved from here to here or from here to here. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. And so Jesus taught that. And so tonight I want to show you just a few things about Abraham that we can learn from his life. If you go back to Genesis, uh, I'm just going to show you, pick out a few things from beginning in probably Genesis 12. Uh, yeah, in fact, if you want to slip back to Genesis 12, uh, a few things about his life that I believe postured him in a place where he embraced God's spoken word over his life, where he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but uh, uh, was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And so let me give them to you, things you can get, uh, get a hold of in your life and we can apply in our life, just lessons I'm just learning from Abraham's life. The first one is this. Keep your spiritual ears and eyes open. When you look at the life of Abraham, what you see him doing is always talking to God and God talking to him. Now, somehow, and, and you know, things were a little, things were different relationally between God and man in the Old Testament, of course. But could I tell you today, the New Testament, we ought to be an, it ought to be a little easier to hear God and listen to God than it was in those days. Uh, you know, and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to be out of bounds with my application here, but there was something about the life of Abraham or Abraham. Abram, where, and I'll show it to you, where he was, he was always in a place where he could hear God. And I'll show you what I believe is the reason for that by just showing you a few verses. Look in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and this is the promises to Abraham. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, and so it says, so Abraham departed. Now look in verse seven, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your descendants, I will give this land. So the first thing God did, he spoke to him and then he began to appear to him. Abraham's spiritual ears and eyes were open to the revelation of God in his life. And he said, I will give you this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Let me just say this about Abram or Abraham. He was an altar man. 
He was an altar boy, if you want to call him that. And, and let me just show this to you. In other words, there's something in his life. He knew, I've got to be in the presence of God. And everywhere he went and everything he did, you find him building an altar. Look in Genesis chapter 13, verse 1 uh, uh, through 4. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord God. Now, uh, I can't read too much into there, but it's like Abram said, man, I've got to get back to the altar. Now look down a little further in that chapter in verse, oh, let's see. Uh, oh, where is it? Let me look at my notes. Verse 8, it says this. Uh, so Abram said, no, that's not it. There's another part about the altar. Oh, verse 18, I didn't, yeah. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelled by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So if we want to embrace, this is the lesson that I want us to get here from Abraham. He was an altar man. He, he made sure he, he stayed in a place of receptivity to the things of God in his life. He endeavored to keep his spiritual ears and eyes open. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews, we can come boldly into the throne of grace. We have an altar in our heart. We can approach Him any place, any time. And so that's a great lesson for us. If we, you know, as we begin to think about this, you think, well, what's God's spoken, directed, revealed word over my life? I, I really don't know. I, but let me tell you something. Uh, if you position yourself in a place of receptivity, God will begin to speak to you. There's nothing wrong with God's mouth. I want to say there's nothing wrong with God's mouth. Ooh, let me tell you, he wants to talk more than you want to listen. In fact, if we want to listen more, he'd talk more. Could I get a better amen? amen. And, it, and, 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 and he will speak if we're at a place of receptivity. I think of Samuel. You remember uh, he kept having the revelation, Samuel, Samuel, as a young altar boy, keeping the flame of God burning in the, in the temple. Finally, you know, he got revelation from his leader. Hey, just say Hey, next time you hear it, say, I'm listening. And so the next time, Samuel, he said, speak, Lord, for your servants listen. Keep your spiritual ears and eyes open. Number two, let me explain it. Keep your bags packed. Now, I speak not from a literal perspective. But I speak from a, this, this, this phrase, keep your bags packed is always be ready to obey God. Some people get so bogged down by stuff that they can't obey God. And I love it about Abraham and Ab or Abram and Abraham. Uh, it says in these passages that I read that he had great resources. He was blessed, but he was he he didn't lock him. You know, you would think most of us think, man, I just get all this blessing and I'm just going to build me a big house 
and I'm going to count my sheep and my oxen and I'm going to enjoy this gold and all these great things. Look what it says in 13.2. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. Man, he was rolling in it. And there's a message there. But you know what we find him doing? He's always moving. He's on the move. And I think Abraham is a picture of us that we can't get so... You know what most of us do? We get so hung up with our stuff, we can't move. Let me tell you something about your stuff. It's here to help you move, not hinder you from moving. And again, I don't speak literally. I'm talking about progressing in the purpose of God for our life. Always be flexible and ready to obey God. I love the Genesis 12. It says God spoke to him and said, get up and get out of here. In the next verse, so Abraham departed as the Lord spoke to him. Uh, and he said, Abraham was, and then mm, it says, where does it say it? He didn't even know where he was going. He, yeah, he said, uh, I'll, he said, you get out of here to a land that I will show you. How many of you want, we normally want God to show us where we're going before we get up and go. I'm kind of that way. Okay, Lord, I, I, I'm a faith man, but you know, I would like to know where I'm going. Abraham got up not knowing where he was going. He was mobile. He was ready to move. He had his bags packed. He was not hung up by his resources, but his resources were there. And all the the blessings that God had for him were they here to help him get where God wanted him to be. Uh, and so, you, you know, our provisions, they've got to be portable. They can't keep us locked into not being able to do what God wants us to do. And chase a little rabbit. That's why we ought to all endeavor in 2012 to make sure we're not all hung up and in debt. Because how many of you know we can do more? Our resources ought to serve us rather than us serve the resources. Anybody here ever paid a credit card bill for something you can't even remember what you bought? <laughs> I don't even know what, where, where the stuff. I have a friend of mine. He was having garage sales to pay the minimum monthly payment, selling the stuff he bought on the credit card. He got out of it too. But we ought to keep our bags packed. If you want to brace God's spoken word over your life, keep your spiritual ears and eyes open and keep your bags packed. Keep yourself at a place of, uh, of, of ready to instantly obey Him and follow Him and serve Him. Because, hey, if we're hung up, and we can't follow Him, how are we going to be recipients and beneficiaries of God's real blessing and provision over our life? Amen. Abraham was that way. Number three, keep the promises fresh. Now, turn to Genesis, let's see, Genesis 15. Uh, and let me say while you're turning there, you just probably are already there. How many of you know how long it was from the time Abraham was first promised a son until... Isaac was born. Anybody know? I think, if I got my figures right, 75 years. How many of you know the promise could get a little thin as time wore on? 75 years. From the time he got it until the time Isaac was born... And so we see in Genesis 15, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. But Abraham said, Lord, or Abram said, Lord, but what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? 
you know what? He's questioning the promise of God. But let me just say, it's okay to question the promise if you're questioning it with God in his presence. Hey, he, he, he knows our hearts. And God comes to him and says, uh, and says, I'm your shield. You're exceeding great reward. Don't be afraid. And he questions him about it. And it says, behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall be your heir, but what, this one shall not be your heir. Speaking of Eliezer of Damascus, he shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so your descendants, so shall your descendants be. And it says, and Abraham believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him or God accounted it to him for righteousness. So what do I, the, the, just the simple lesson I want you to see here is that through the process, how many of you know, sometimes there's a process, uh, there's a span of time between uh, the amen of your prayer and the so be it of your prayer or the, 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 the revelation comes. There's a span of time between, between when you get it and when you really get it. To Abram and Abraham and Sarah, it was 75 years. So in this process of time, God comes to him and refreshes and renews the promise of God in his life. And for us today, we need to take that principle and say, I'm going to keep the promises of God fresh in my life. I'm never going to lay them down. If I've got a word from God, I'm going to hang on to that word from God. And I'm going to declare the word of God over my life. And I'm not going to to lay it down. I'm not going to sidestep it. I'm not going to say uh, like the... Um, um, Where's my little note uh, where the message, he didn't tiptoe around God's promise asking cautiously skeptical questions. Uh, he didn't, you know, maybe so, maybe not. But he plunged into the promise. Amen. And so keep the promises fresh in your life. Keep them living and abiding. Don't forget them. How many of you know the children of Israel are always forgetting the promise of God? Man, it didn't take them long to get all all confounded and confused in, in their supposed short journey from Egypt into the promised land. Some say a, a trip of a couple of three weeks. They spent 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Because they, they kept faltering in the promise of God over their life. So keep the promises fresh. Number four, another methodology you can learn from Abraham about embracing God's spoken word over your life. Uh, keep falling down. Let me explain. Genesis 17, when God comes to him when he's 99 and changes his name and begins to speak to him and tell him about the covenant of God, verse 3, it reveals something about Abram. And Abram fell on his face <coughs> and God talked with him. Pardon me. <coughs> Abram fell on his face and God talked to him. How many of you know that's a posture of humility? And so when I say keep falling down, keep your posture of humility before God. Don't ever come to a place where you think, ooh, you know, and Abram, uh, you know, he was wealthy and had blessings and provisions. He could have, he could have, uh, he could have fell back just on his old name, Abram, and uh, on his name and said, hey, I'm an exalted father. I am somebody. And God could have showed up in his life. Hey, I don't need you. I've got it all figured out. He fell down before him and stayed humble before God. That's the way we've always got to be, especially 
uh, in times of blessing and, and God's supernatural hand in our life is to stay humble before Him. Another principle is keep your mouth shut. Now, let me explain that one. How many of you know there are some times you need to keep your mouth shut? Now, here's how Abram learned this lesson of the power of the spoken word. I haven't told you this part of Abram's story. Thank you, Jeremy. But let's look in chapter 17 where God changes his name and and he begins to tell him all the things that he's going to do for him. And look down, oh, in verse 15 of chapter 17. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, however you would pronounce it, but Sarah shall be your name. And I will bless her, and I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. King of people shall be with her. And Abram fell on his face and laughed. And said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a child? See, Abraham's having this conflicting thing. Now, we read in Romans chapter 4 where he didn't waver in the promise of God. But right here in the presence of God, it's kind of like when he gets in God's presence, he kind of lets his hair down and says, I just got to tell you how I really think about what you just said. And Abraham said to God, now, what was my point? Keep your mouth shut. How many of sometimes the Bible, in fact, the Bible says there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. And sometimes one of the best things you can do in, in keeping God's spoken word alive and, and at work in your life is don't undermine it with your mouth. Oops. And so Abraham says to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And then God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him for his everlasting covenant and I will be a descendant after him. Now, who's Ishmael? Now, I didn't tell you this part of the story, but chapter 16 is where where Sarah, she's she's concerned about this promise. And so she talks her husband and you know I probably he probably wasn't very hard for him to go along with it he said she said basically Abraham uh, or Abram I don't know that uh, it's going to work the way we're hoping it's going to work you know I'm 99 years old or 90 something years old or you are why don't you have a child with my handmaiden Hagar and Abraham that's why I told you he's a man of flesh he went you know that's not maybe a bad idea and Here comes Ishmael. Now, let me show you something about Ishmael. Look in chapter 16, verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has heard your affliction, he shall be a wild man, uh, and his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and, and shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Now, that's an interesting thing God says, or the angel of the Lord says to Hagar about Ishmael. Uh, he's going to be a wild man, and his hand shall be against every man. Now, this was Abraham's son, Abram at the time. And how many of you know all fathers love their sons? And so I think Ishmael's probably 13 years old, something along this line, when chapter 17 hits the fan and God says to him, 
uh, Sarah's going to have a child. No. He, and he says to God, no, he says to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God says, no, it's Isaac. And look in verse 20. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. And he shall beget 12 princes and will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac. God heard Abraham's declared thing, if you will, over Ishmael. He said, I heard him and I'll bless him because you spoke it. That's my little paraphrase there. And modern day Islam is here today because of the blessing on Ishmael. Abram, Abraham was ensnared by the words of his mouth. And from my perspective, the great religious battle of the centuries and of the ages is going to be a religious one. And I have a feeling it involves this Islamic radical undertow that is spreading like wildfire through the world. And so Abraham learned the power of the spoken word in a not so pleasant result. So there's sometimes we need to keep our mouth shut. I'm serious. We can undermine the destiny of God by the words of our mouth. James 1.19, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Poor old impetuous Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration while God is talking to Elijah and who else? Moses and Elijah. Can you imagine? Here's the, here is what no man has seen before. Peter has an insight and an inroad to the Mount of Transfiguration. There's Jesus transfigured before them. Moses and Elijah shows up. They're talking. I would love to hear that conversation. But Peter, he interrupts them and says, I got a great idea. <laughs> Why don't we build three churches up here? One for you, 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 and you, and we all just hang around up here and have church. And the Bible says God basically told him to shut up and listen. There's sometimes, if we want to embrace God's spoken word of our life, there's some things better left unsaid. David said this in Psalm 141 verse 3. He said, set a guard over my mouth. Set a guard over my mouth. I do that now a lot more. I used to, I've got to be careful here because I might be ensnared by the words of my mouth, but I'm getting better 
at not saying things that shouldn't be said. Even on a humorous perspective. Sometimes Beverly will say something to me and there's something pops in my head. And I used to just say it. And then I realized, if I just hadn't said that, I wouldn't have been the beneficiary of what she is now saying back to me. And then so now, from time to time, I can restrain, and I just go. Everybody try that. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Sometimes it's better to keep your mouth shut. And then finally tonight as we close, embracing God's spoken word over our life, we can learn from Abraham, keep trusting the set time. I want to say set time. Let me show it to you in Genesis 17, verse 21. Uh, God spoke to him and said, uh, after Abraham uh, should have kept his mouth shut, God said, let me tell you what I'll do for Isaac. My covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. I want to say set time. Set time. Can I tell you, regarding God's will and purpose and maybe the promises of God over your life that God has given you, there's a set time. Everyone say a set time. Look in Genesis 21, verse 1 and 2, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Now, you get that, the action and the speaking? There it is, clear as a bell. It said, it didn't say the Lord visited Sarah as he thought, but as he said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham, and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the, everyone say it, set time of which God had spoken to him. Now we may not know the set time. In Abraham's, Abraham's, uh, case, here in verse 25 of chapter nine, of chapter 17, he said this time next year, it's going to happen. You can bank on it. But for you and my, me, we, in reference to maybe the promise of God or the spoken word of God over our life, you know, the dreams and visions God's put in our heart, we may not know the time, but I can guarantee you one thing. There is a set time in God's plan for your life. God has a plan. He has a time. He's not all there confused and getting his dates and times mixed up. And, you know, his, his desk is not cluttered with confusion. There's a set time for the plan of God. I love what Psalm 102 is one of my, uh, uh, verses I love to lean on concerning the timing of God for our life. The set time, verse, uh, verse 13 of Psalm 102. And it says, and you will arise and have mercy on Zion. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. And so you and I have got to keep trusting the set time that God has a plan, God has a time. We don't know. We trust God's ability. We trust God's power. We stand on His promises and we're going to keep giving Him the glory and we're not going to waver at the promise of God. And if we do waver, we're going to do it right in the presence of God, talking to Him and telling Him how we feel on the inside, like Abraham did. And embrace God's spoken word over our life. 
You know, Jeremiah 29, what is it, verse 11? God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and of evil to give you a future and a hope. How many of you know a little insight that God has a plan for our life? And if Abraham's the father of our faith and we should walk in his footsteps, could it be that the lifestyle and the, and the ministry of Abraham and, and his life is a reflection of how we as the church ought to be and the provision of God and the prosperity of God and the favor of God on our life and, and walking into the set time of the favor of the Lord? Embracing God's spoken word over our life. Getting a firm grip on our faith. And believing what he says about us, about his church. Let's think about it from a corporate standpoint. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I love that spoken word over the church. And so when people look, oh, just, oh my goodness, I don't know. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Jesus said we're victorious. In fact, I've read the end of the book and the devil's defeated and we come out on top. And we overcome him by the blood of the lamb. And oh, catch this. The word of our testimony. The speaking declared word of the God's hand extended and, and, and released through our life, through our declared word. Wow. I almost jumped into preaching there. Amen. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Lord, for your word over our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the spoken word, for the life of Abraham, how he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, how he embraced your spoken word over his life. And Lord, I thank you that you're beginning to speak over us in present tense, Things of a future nature. Lord, we want to embrace who we are in you.